Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. The Coaches Network, bringing the game together. Right, let's break that down into those microcosmic examples and let's practice those. Just hammer, hammer those things. When you get into a game, you know, you're probably going to have two or three opportunities to stand out and deliver some end product. That's got to be on the money. Hey guys, you're now listening to the Coaches Network podcast a podcast aimed at anyone who's passionate about athlete, talent, and personal development. My name's Coach Yas, and I'm a UEFA A-licensed football coach, coach developer, and content creator. I'll be sitting down with a range of guests to discuss their journeys, their life lessons, and how you can make an impact. Enjoy. Right, guys, welcome back to the Coaches Network. My name's Coach Yas, and today I've got a very special guest. My guest today is a return guest. You know, we had a fantastic episode in the first time round. My guest this morning is Saul Isaacson-Hurst. Morning, Saul. How are you, mate? Very well, thank you. Yes, uh, thanks for having me on the show, mate. Brilliant. Thank you for being with us. So, for just uh, for those that maybe didn't catch the first episode with you and aren't too familiar with who you are or the work you do, would you mind just giving us a bit of background on that, please? Um, like an individual skills specialist, about nearly 20 years working with individual players, uh, work with pro players, Premier League players, individual players, grassroots players. Also spent 10 years in academy football at Chelsea and Tottenham as a skills specialist in the foundation phase. And for the last four or five years, I've been running my app, the My Personal Football Coach app, which is used by academies, pro clubs, and clubs all around the world, and individuals all around the world. Got tens of thousands of players on there. Definitely. I think you're definitely doing really well with that. And I think um, for anyone in the football space that hasn't heard of you, it'd be quite um, bizarre, really. Um, now, you know, you talked about being a one to one specialist. You know, we talked a little bit about it in the first episode that we did, um, you know, a few months back. Um, I want to kind of maybe delve a little bit more into that one-to-one element as opposed to your journey itself. And you know, would you mind just starting off by telling us what it means to you from your perspective in terms of what one-to-one coaching is and what, why it has a place in football, in your opinion? It's the same as anything, you know. If you know, uh, any, anything you want to you improve on, you've got to put the work in. And if you've got someone helping you and guiding you and working on a one-to-one basis that's going to accelerate your learning. So, you know, I'm learning a bit of Spanish now. I have a one-to-one teacher. I could do that in a class, but having someone do it individually, they see exactly what I need and what I need to do and the speed that I'm learning and the areas that I need to do. And that just makes sense. So, you know, it's like anything, you know, any any, any industry, you know, if you work one-to-one with someone, it's really going to support you. Obviously, the the person's got to be a specialist in the field, have the knowledge and an understanding of what they're doing. But I mean, yeah, it's, it's like, you know, it's invaluable when I talk about, you know, whether I'm working with a, professional footballer or a beginner you, know, you see massive uh, benefit and massive results uh, relatively quickly no I definitely I totally agree with that I think having that one-to-one element can definitely make it more bespoke and tailored to you as an individual I guess kind of just on that then you know traditionally uh, the view of a one-to-one coach is deemed as much more of a, a technical thing um, you know and I'm sure you'd agree and as you know that you know coaching's moving uh maybe slightly away from technical as a whole and then it becoming a more holistic thing, which I think is fantastic. But, you know, I've always made this argument that I feel like it's moving a, it, in some ways, in some, in most situations, I believe, it's moving a bit too far away from the technical part. So I guess from that perspective, um, 
how much of that work that you do is is purely technical um and you know would you mind just going into a bit of detail of what that actually looks like for the listeners that maybe aren't too familiar with what we're talking about there yeah, well, it's majority of my work is technical working individually. I mean, for example, I'm currently working with a player and, you know, we'll, you know, I'll watch his games, I'll, you know, review his games and I'll use some video analysis and then we'll talk a bit tactically what he's doing positionally and stuff like that, but always tying it into the technical elements. But, I mean, you know, the majority of my stuff when I'm on the pitch working individually with players, we're working on, on technique and that could be anything in terms of like if you're a beginner, you know, learning how to, to dribble the ball and, you know, move the ball and turn and those sorts of things whether if you're working with players a bit older a bit more position specific stuff you could nail down exactly what that position looks like in the modern game and then you know try and break those assets down into microcosmic examples and we'll try and nail down on those for example you know looking at the modern day fullback you know what is what, what does a modern day fullback look at the highest level you know what the technical assets they need and then look at those things and try and work on those things and my philosophy is really built around ball mastery and 1v1 domination and all my ball mastery is linked directly to 1v1 the 1v1 duel in the game you know and uh, so it's all it's all very functional it's all very game linked and uh, so for example the, the one of the kids I'm coaching recently I asked him about my session what do you like about it he goes this it's like a game do you know what I mean? Because that's really important. And that's the thing sometimes when people thought, people have a misunderstanding about the stuff that I do or one of the one coaches do, you know, it's really important that when you're working unopposed or when you're working opposed or whatever, you you know, you link those things to the game. You have a clear picture of where it's, where it's coming from. Now, some people might not see that and they'll see me doing all the different, you know, movement patterns, like the, the, the turning combinations and stuff. They might not see it. Fair enough. They just don't see that. Maybe that's, maybe that's an information gap, but it's my job as a, as a, as a coach, as a teacher to basically, you know, guide the player and say, this is why you're doing it. And it's the art of the coach to basically explore that and show that link to the game. hundred percent. I agree with that last bit. There, you know, it is the art of the coach to link that to the game. And it just kind of take you back a little bit then um, around that, that practice design element and looking at making, I guess, creating the, the practice to look like games. Would you mind just going into a bit of detail around that? Cause I think from my experience of, you know, speaking to a lot of coaches, um, um, at different levels, really, and then you know that when you when you think about creating practices that look like a game, they often interpret that as being okay. Let's just play a game, um, which is not always the case. And you know, I think you know, I've got certainly my own way in which I design my practices, and I you know, I like to I like to consider them to be game like practices, um, and almost um, I design them in a way where they're actually moments in the game, if that makes sense, um, and I'm more specific around rather than position-specific sessions, it's almost zone-specific sessions. So you might be a fullback as an example, but actually what you, how you operate in this part of the pitch and this part of the pitch will be very different. So I'll design practices based around the area of the pitch that we're working in, if that makes sense. So kind of just, you know, it'll be interesting to maybe get from your perspective what that design element looks like and what you consider to be a game-like practice, um, just to kind of, I guess, see it from your perspective and just to find, provide further clarification for the listeners and viewers. Well, I can, I can get, let me, I can give you like an outline of what a general session looks like, if you like, and then talk about it. So I always start with a ball-based warm-up, some ball mastery activities just to loosen up, then obviously some stretching, then some simple passing, uh, again, as part of the warm-up movements, some simple cuts, some simple turns, then into combination work. So the movement combinations are the, you know, maybe four, five, six, seven, eight different uh, 1v1 skills put together in a combination to challenge a player uh, technically and challenge the player movement wise as well and that's really important because I, was, I talk about this all the time the more experience I become the more I reflect the more important I understand how you know supporting players with movement is developing the body for the modern day game making them more explosive making them more agile and making them you know uh, 
to be able to deal with the ball. Chris Ramsey talks about extreme technique. And I think that's what it's, it's the same thing. So you'd be able to deal with the ball in any sort of situation, any sort of scenario. And you're almost uh, like Albert Capellas talks about Barcelona, ex-Barcelona, um, head of youth, talked about the Superman theory where they have really tight spaces and it's moving so quick. Players are like Superman. So that's, that's the same sort of idea I have with my ball mastery. You know, you want to challenge the players to be like Supermen on the ball so in terms, they can deal with it at both feet and they can deal with it extreme technique, but all, all game-related technique. It's not like, you know, we're trying to develop freestylers here. It's all about, you know, if it's based around the 1v1, you know, the, the, the dribbling players or receiving with back to pressure and breaking pressure and creating problems. So do some to that to do a movement. And then we go into more sort of game-like practices. So if it's a midfielder, maybe it's maybe me moving to receive, to cut, to pass, to part shoot or to, to pass or something. So it's always with an outcome as well, if that makes sense different sorts of receiving techniques, short, sharp, explosive angles to receive, again, movements, maybe combination with me, maybe moving to me then to take me on and then to get a shot off and those sorts of things. So very sort of game-like movements that you see from midfielder at the highest level, uh, but always with some sort of end product when you're going into that part of the uh, into that part of the practice. At the beginning, I might just do some simple, you know, receive, turn, cut, come back past to me as you're warming up and, you know, ball strike is a really important element of technical development and then just get the, the movements of the cuts then after that dynamic movement of this the combos then it's about right let's get some move some real key game like movements and practices in no definitely i think i, I can i can certainly picture what you what you mean there and i guess kind of on that note i guess the question that would be then is how much of that for me personally is when you decide now that technical versus or that opposed versus unopposed piece, you know a lot of people say to me that you know they'll, they'll, they do a lot of unopposed work. In my in my, in my opinion, um, I feel that unopposed work does have a place, but it, it can only really uh, have full effect um, or be more efficient, shall we say, if there's context provided to the practices themselves. So, as an example, it'd be interesting to get your views on this actually. So, if I was coaching, in, uh, I don't know, a dribbling practice and I'm doing one v one one v one session. I'll be challenging the players around their perception and awareness of the game like context to say, as an example, right, so I want you to dribble from here to here, but I want you to dribble in a way where maybe there's a person on your right shoulder, as an example. Um, and that, you know, and then maybe flip it over to the left shoulder just so you can kind of start to think about the ways in which you would, I guess, uh, perform under those uh, constraints and, I guess, those, those, those contexts. Is that something similar to what you do or what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, because look, if we're doing the combination work, I'll always do it directional one so if we're moving forward we're moving towards to a goal with the shot if we're doing cuts it's always safe side for example so if we're moving the ball we're always doing it safe side so I'm outside cut to inside cut so I'm protecting the ball from the outside where the defender would be if you like the midfield movements is always protection majority to turn safe side to roll away from players we're talking about that maybe I'm passive pressure maybe I'm full pressure so it's always with the mind it's always you know with the mind of what that would look like in the game do you know what I mean? I'm not trying to do turn and drive straight in a way where the defender would be, you know, we're always trying to understand, you know, what the relation to is, what we're doing, why we're doing it. Of course, that's the game, you know, why am I breaking pressure? I'm trying to get a roll away from a defender you know, I don't roll straight into them. So obviously it's really key to, you know, to do that and build that in. And that's, you know, the art of the coach again saying, well, you know, let's think about that. You know, where's your movement here? I'll stand here now. You know, is your body protecting the ball? Are you safe side? You know, control that ball, positive touches, but move with the ball. So your body's always keeping it safe side. No, definitely. I, I, you know, it's, I think it's good that you know to hear that you. I guess you're in a similar mindset from that perspective. Because I think what I see is when I see it, and it's been emergence over the last couple of years in particular, and I think more, even more so now with lockdown. 
and whole COVID situation where there's been a, a massive surge of maybe one-to-one technical coaches. And for me, a lot of them are just getting, giving players a ball and saying, right, we're just going to stay in the box. We're going to do this, but there's not real, there's no real substance to what they're doing. It's just more putting the player through a practice that they've kind of put together. Or have, have, are you, I mean, do you feel something um, similar to that or what are your perceptions of that? Well, I mean, we've seen, you know, a surge, a saturation in one-to-one coaches and, and you can't really blame people if they can't do team coaching. And, you know, I started my career as a way I'm doing privates as a way of picking up extra cash on the side, you know, and then I grew into my main, you know, my main profession and then I'm a specialist, you know, I'm a world leader in it. But I mean, so you can't really blame people, but yeah, I mean, that's the difference, you know, why maybe you come to me rather than go to, you know, Joe Bloggs, who's got no experience doing that. Uh, know working individually just because i'm a specialist in it i mean not saying that person's not going to have any value or not that's necessarily good but it's like anything you know individual coaching is a skill you know that you develop and you learn and you study and you're a student of the game ideally and so you know the more you do you know ideally the more experience you do the more you learn is the more possibility you are to get better so you know kind of just on that then you know you talked about being a specialist one-to-one coach what what does that entail exactly because obviously there's a lot of coaches out there you talked about being a saturation now what is it that I think more so from a perspective of a player than a, and a parent, even if you're now looking at, you know, your son and daughter and you ask, if, if, you know, you're asking questions or you might even be an older player that you're looking to go, and, I guess, go and get that extra bit of support, get that extra bit of, um, you know, development outside of the environment you're currently in. What might you be looking for in, in a one-to-one coach? Um, and how do you identify whether someone is, I guess, um, worth working with? Because like you said, there is a saturation of it. I think a lot of people, especially parents can be easily influenced into thinking, yeah, we've got a one-to-one coach, so that, that automatically means that there's going to be extra development taking place. But it's not always the case because maybe the standard of the work or the quality of the work that's being done with the player is not to the right standard or is not tailored to the individual, if that makes sense. It's like anything. If I'm a parent and I'm trying to get my, my son and my daughter some extra training, you know, like any, if I'm looking for a teacher or you know, a piano teacher, I look for what? track record, what their experience is, what they've done in their career, who they work with, have they got references? It's like anything else in the world, you know? So I've got books, you know, for, you know, things that like, oh yeah, I used to be a kit man at this club, bang, 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 or something, you know, or you know, I, I coached the I coached the under eights this club, but you know, have they worked individual players? Now it's not saying they're not going to be a good coach, but it's just how much, you know, how much you, you know, it depends what you're what you're investing in that. You know, if you want to be working, you know, you know it's like anything, you know, if you go to the gym, I know you like going to the gym. So like, if I want to work with a PT there, don't want someone who's fresh out the day's college, or don't want someone who's working with, with people understands the body, understand how to, to train for like 10 or 20 years. No, definitely. I agree with that. I think a proper track record is definitely a big thing in that. And then I kind of just, so kind of move things on a bit then in terms of, okay, you've now, you know, you've set up your app. Um, I don't know if you wanted to just let people know a little bit about what that is and then we can kind of go from there. So yeah, my personal football coach started about four or five years ago and in essence was a homework app. So Players could ideally go and train themselves. They didn't need a one-to-one coach. You can access hundreds of drills on videos, easy to download, and uh, progressed into like courses. And we've got like uh, position-specific courses on there. We've now got a virtual academy, which is like a live academy now for players. Where myself and coaches from you know all the top clubs, Ajax and you know uh, Tottenham, QPR, Chelsea, all experience of academy coaches from those clubs are delivering weekly content for players. And also we, we support clubs like we talked about. So Arsenal, Wolverhampton Wanderers, Middlesbrough, now West Brom as well. Uh, they use the app for their players as well as hundreds of clubs around the world in terms of grassroots clubs. So there's lots of things going on there. We've also got a coach resource, the coaches pass. So it's really like a one-stop shop hub for remote learning for players, parents and uh, coaches, basically, and clubs, obviously. 
Fantastic. And kind of just on, on that then, would you mind just maybe going into a bit of detail around it? So that, that work that you do with the clubs, you know, you talk there about having, uh, I guess, partnerships, but just beyond that, what what what, what does the app present itself for the one-to-one bit? And I really want to get into the nitty-gritty now of what it looks it, like. Basically, yeah, so listen, it's like if, if, if I'm an individual using it, I want to improve my technique and my movement. So what I, my philosophy is about called dynamic ball mastery. And like I said before, it's about developing movement and technique as well to try and develop explosive players. You look at players at the highest level. They really do are, you know, sharp and explosive with the ball to try and maximize players' movement with the ball and the technique and their agility and their speed with the ball. Uh, if I'm a club, then maybe what I'm going to do, you know, I can give all my players in my club this, uh, this app to use, remote learning app, which is branded with my club logo. I can check the usage of the players, how long they've been on it, that sort of thing. They can upload videos that we can all see and share. Uh, I can set challenges, that sort of thing. So basically we're putting know giving the club uh the power to basically support players wherever they are in lockdown if it is not in lockdown you know the ideal my personal football coach really was at the beginning a supplement to team training but now obviously it's almost taking the place of it at the moment because of the lockdown so you know it's just a way for to give to up to add more value to your club uh to to support your players your parents and your coaches and and give them some world-class technical uh quality content Excellent. You know, you talked a lot about, you know, this, I guess the stuff that's going on with the app and I think um, more now than any, 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 any other time is probably serving a benefit to the community in that we're not able to do team training like you touched on earlier. Uh, we're not currently in the clubs. You know, eventually we, we hope that we are going to be back in a situation where we can get back on the grass with our players and our teams and, and whatnot. So just, you know, kind of to move it from that perspective, then what should or how do we go about you know, going into an environment, back into our clubs. How do we, how do we go about actually, in the, I guess, implementing an individual development program within that process? Well, you, you, you sort of touched on it earlier in terms of, you know, how the game sort of changed where, you know, there's not really that much technical work going on at the moment in clubs, even at, you know, highest level sometimes. It's very much laissez-faire, stand back, put them in the game, game's a teacher or, but you know, you know, there's not that much, you know, and Chris Ramsey talked about it on my podcast, you know, talking about, you know, there's just, you know, maybe coaches don't know how to teach techniques anymore. So when I was, did my level two back, you know, back in 2002, or whatever, it was very much, you know, and level one, whatever it was, <clears throat> very much based around, you know, technique, you know, teaching players technique, how to do that and small little technical things. My practices still sort of portray that, but the games, you know, the, the education system's changed. So maybe there's an information gap. So there's a problem there. So, you know, like I said, in my thing, you know, there's majority of your team sessions should be opposed. 80% of my team sessions are, game-like practices, small-sided mostly, but that 20% unopposed work is vital. And like, you, you know, and the problem is like one doesn't work with the other. You know, if you're doing those unopposed work, if you're doing that unopposed work about the game, doesn't work. If you do that game work about the unopposed, it doesn't really work. And that technique, in my opinion, if you're really gonna support and stretch players. Now, some players will get there, but some players won't get there. That's the issue. So it's about having that balance and that mix. So, you know, if you ask me, you know, having short, sharp, quality bursts of technical work, at the beginning of a session or maybe active recovery, whatever, whenever it is, and then empowering players to be independent earners, setting them homework, challenges, then that then become the DNA of the club that you can then, you know, use peer, use peer, 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 peer support, excuse me, and peer pressure to make sure they're doing those and improving. No, definitely. And I think, you know, you talked there about having that 80 kind of 20 ratio. In terms of the unopposed work, to kind of maybe just look at that a little bit more specifically right now before we move on. Uh, just just go into a little bit detail around what you describe as unopposed work because you know uh, I personally use an idea of right you've got unopposed or you've got our bodies come in different shapes and sizes so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too 
That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Various levels of opposed. Uh, where you can, you kind of almost dial up and dial down the pressure elements. Um, so I think where there's any interference, in my opinion, it, I define it as being opposed. Um, right. As whereas some people would probably say unopposed is uh, is anywhere where maybe there's not live pressure, or in yeah. a game like pressure, there's, there, there might be an interference of some sort, but there's no game like pressure, um, and it is still semi opposed to to an extent. Um, what what are your views on that, and what, you know where do you see that unopposed uh, the difference between unopposed and opposed in that respect? Yeah, I mean, I'd say unopposed is uh, uh, where you see anything without pressure or, or passive pressure really still unopposed. Really, you know what I mean? So, and it's like I said, opposed stuff is game like practices. Do you know what I mean? Or where there is that that we talk about high contextual interference. If you want to use those terms, but that's when you really got an opponent, a defender, or you know, in in that way. My 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 sort of you know my 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 session would take you know some ball marching to warm up into some you know some combination work some skill combination work linked to the 1v1 uh then some ball striking whether that's impaired just passing and moving or some different sorts of tactics but short sharp bursts then leading into 1v1 and then 2v2 3 and then everything's opposed if that makes sense so you know sort of easing into a session that's the structure i like to use it you can do it other way you could straight into a game then almost then cut, come back into some ball mastery and then some ball striking or you know sometimes i'm doing 1v1 a high intensity i use a some passing in pairs as an active recovery as well, just to refine that technique is a good way to support, you know, let the players recover without standing around doing nothing. Mm, definitely. And I want to kind of take you back to something you mentioned a couple of moments ago as well in terms of the technical parts. Um, you know, a large amount of work is based around that technical, um, I guess, embedding of just general technical information. And you're right. I think that, you know, certainly over the last couple of years, I've noticed uh, more specifically in when I'm, I'm working as a coach educator and, there is a massive, uh, I guess, information gap, as you put it. Um, and I think that's increased more and more over the years, certainly since I did my level one, my level two, and even my B license, where, uh, you know, the coach education pathway has moved so much. <laughs> to do. Um, and it's, had, it's got many benefits now, and it is much more holistic. And I think, that, you know, that is very important, but I do think it's moved maybe a little bit too far away from the technical elements. So I guess on that note, if uh, for those coaches who have maybe, uh, I guess, had to go through the pathway now as opposed to before, what would you say are some of the things that they could be doing to maybe uh, bridge that information gap around the technical side of things? Because I feel like that often is a reason as to why uh, maybe we don't see as much technical coaching taking place now because maybe they don't actually have that information uh, and maybe they're not too sure where to turn to to get that information. But just to kind of tail off that as well, it's how important is it to understand there isn't just a one way of doing it and that any information you do have is just almost should be used as a, like I said, a framework to kind of build on, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think it's like anything, you know, if you want to be a master of your craft, you've got to become a student of the game or student of whatever that is. So, you know, you've got to, 
got to read, you got to watch, you got to drink. I mean, lucky we, you know, the current climate, we co- coaches who are coming up now, you know, you've got social media, you've got the internet, things like my personal football coach, my thing, you know, there's loads of things out there. There's loads of coaches out there. Twitter, Paul McGuinness on, on Twitter is amazing. Works for the FA now, was at May United. Do you know what I mean? A real great oracle of top quality individual skill work just on Twitter every day. Do you know what I mean? He's always posting phenomenal stuff. So just follow these sorts of people who, who've been there and done that. I think that's important as well. You know, I think you have more, more sort of respect for someone who's actually been in the, you know, at a top club like that and done nearly 20 years and worked with top, top players. You know, wow, you know, I want to know what that guy has seen and, you know, what he knows. And just l- try and learn as much as possible. The main thing, you know, like any coach, you should be trying to see as many people coach as possible and trying to, you know, nick things off different people and develop yourself and, and, you know, and then go and put it into practice. Oh, definitely. And, you know, kind of just kind of bring us back to the individual development thing now. I just want to kind of, uh, I guess, as we start to wind down, leave the listeners with some real, I guess, key actionable steps that they can kind of take in terms of implementing the programme. Um, as and when you know the time occurs and you know potentially you might even have some suggestions as to what they might be able to do now um you know over zoom and things like that because i think there's a lot of people doing stuff like over zoom and what that looks like i'm not sure what your experiences are with that at this present moment um but what you know let's start with that that you know that online platform element <laughs> what are your thoughts on that firstly in terms of being able to coach that effectively and actually implement something uh, i guess effective um yeah let's start with that so say that again. So in terms of what, what in terms of what, in terms of obviously, no, 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 what, what maybe coaching on an individual level could look like over, I guess, a platform like Zoom. All right. Okay. Yeah. You know what? It's um, listen. It's like yeah. You know, uh, there's people doing lots of Zoom sessions. I don't really do that much of that, if I'm honest myself. But I mean, you still, you know, you can. It's technology is amazing. You can watch people see what they're doing you know, support them and, you know, they say you could, you could support players. I'm supposed, to, I'm supposed to do actually a Zoom call next week with a player at Bayern Munich, same thing, but it's like he's got, he's in a really small room. He's got a small room in his house somewhere and I'm just thinking, right, so, you know, the challenge for me is how am I going to, you know, develop that player in that small room and, you know, you know I've got to sort of be in the same space. So it's a real challenge, but it's possible, do you know what I mean? And that's the thing, it's like, it's, I, uh, that's just, that's, I was speaking to a lot of journalists this week that were asking about my personal football coach and the, and, and the clubs and stuff. Like I said to those guys, it's like, you can only, you can only do is try and make, a, you know, every crisis is also an opportunity, if you like. And this is an opportunity for players to work really hard in their game and develop mm-hmm. themselves. And the top academies are doing lots of great work in terms of the players' t- tactical work, technical work, like my app and stuff like that. So use it as a way to trust, to, to fill up yourself, refine yourself and work on those areas. And if you're lucky enough, you have to work the coach individually like this, you know, just obviously take advantage of it. Definitely. You know, kind of obviously more on the practical element in terms of the face-to-face stuff, as and when you know, people are able to get back out there on the pitch with that. What maybe, you know, maybe you could take us through some steps that you might want to consider um, when putting together an individual development program or what that potentially could look like. It's like, I think my individual development plan, is, the key thing is it's got to be for the individual. So you have to understand, you know, what the individual is, where they are at. So, for example, if they're, you know, they're an older player in the academy or they're pro or they're just, you know, an older player, much more likely to be position specific. Like I said earlier, you know, what's going to make you successful? What's going to make you stand out against other, against without your peers, against your peers in your, in your team, right? So, for example, if you're a wide player, you know, it's going to be goals and assists, really, isn't it? So, you break that down, what does that look like? So, you know, I've got to be able to create opportunities to, to create those those goals and assists. So the goals and assists are going to come from either you know shots, crosses, or passes. So that's the individual technique. Creating those opportunities is going to come maybe through one v one domination, understanding that what that looks like in those key areas. So that'll be breaking that down for that player. 
using some maybe technical, like some video analysis and games, you know, what does that look like? Can we learn that? Can we try and anticipate that? Right, let's break that down into those microcosmic examples and let's practice those, just hammer, hammer those things. When you get into a game, you know, you're probably gonna have two or three opportunities to stand out and deliver some end product. That's gotta be on the money. Do you know what I mean? That's got to be your, that's going to, if you're going to stand out, whether you want to, you know, play in the A team or, you know, get off the bench or you want to contract or you want to, you know, play in the first team or whatever. Do you know what I mean? You've got to prepare players. So when those key moments in the game happen, I've got some sort of preparation for it. I understand. And I've got some solutions which we've worked on to, 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 to solve those problems. Mm. Kind of just on that, then you're talking there about those microcosmic examples. Do you mind just going into a bit, little bit more detail on, on that? <laughs> So, but yeah, so, so, so for instance, we've so done a lot of, you know, if you're working with a fullback, for example, right? So you look at the fullback, uh, obviously, you know, a lot of the fullbacks are now judged on what they're doing in the higher end of the pitch. Okay, so we can break that down and look like what the 1v1 looks like for a fullback and higher end of the pitch. Now, it's, it's quite unique because obviously what you'll find is that actually uh, uh, one uh, players normally have a little bit more space in front of them. Then if I'm a wide player, I'm getting behind, so I'm actually going to run at players. And what you can what you can do is you can look at actually the one v one actually is not a it's not a fifty fifty. Do you know what I mean? The actual um, the, the 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 forward has the advantage because the defender is trying to has to has to defend the space inside and try and dictate play. So if you're if you're if you're if you're uh, coaching the fullback, what are you telling them to do? Uh, if, spot, yeah. if they're on the ball. Yeah, no, no. If you're, yeah, you're, you're the fullback defending, yeah. and I'm attacking. What, what you what are you coaching the defender to do when I'm defending me with the ball? Uh, so I guess in this in in well, the scenario dependent, but I think generally you want to show them in towards your, but I guess your teammates. Yeah, well, it depends. They can show them inside or show them outside. Depends where their strengths are. So, example, like if you're so the idea is one for like one v one defending coaching is yeah. like right. Can we slow them down? Yeah. Can you dictate play? Yeah. Maybe show them outside. You know, there's people say the line's the best defender. So what I always talk about with forward players, whether you're a defender or a winger in, in possession, is that you've got to try and switch that on his head. So you've yeah. got to take the play. So the idea is when, when I receive the ball, rather than taking the first touch down the line, my first touch is always inside yeah, to, to make the, the outside, right? to, to create space inside and outside. Yeah. So I drive in, defender would have to go on the back foot because obviously the majority of the time, the most likely going to send me outside. Back foot, drive in, that opens the inside and the outside. Then the defender's obviously thinking about where the goal is as well. Can he mm. send me away from goal? So he's mm. conscious of that. I drive in there, push out, boom, I've created space that he's most likely going to let me go into. Obviously, yeah. I've got to go in and then fake and then come outside. So we talk about that sort of thing. So we break yeah. down that microcosmic example, almost the science of a 1v1. Yeah. Once you see those elements, you see patterns in games all the time. You see the same thing happening. Yeah. So you see Mac, Max Aarons, we worked with now, I worked with for a long time. He always takes his first touch inside. And it's yeah. very difficult because the defender has to react, has to go on the back foot, has to shuffle across, wants to send me outside. So I'm actually going to create space, you know, and try and dictate play rather than him slowing me down and dictating. I'm going to drive straight in, dictate play, unbalance, explode out or explode in if he lets me in, basically. So that's a bit of a rough idea of something yeah. around that, breaking the breaking that game into microcosmic examples. Then it's about, right, am I going to pass in, shoot in or cross in, bang? And then I've got the other technical assets to finish off that movement. No, definitely. I agree with that. I think, you know, it, you, know you use the term microcosmic examples. For me, when, I, when I'm working plays and I do try and look at the fine, that fine and minute detail um, around those little things you know if if you did this what would that cause the defender to and vice versa um and i refer to those almost like the traffic light moments or more specifically green light moments when is the right time to go when is the right time to stop and maybe change what i'm doing uh, but then you've got that amber moment which is like okay well you could do this um but the risk might be slightly higher um, and, then it, and then it becomes a question of risk versus reward um so no, i definitely agree with that element and you know really nailing down on that little detail because like you talked there if you, if you do go inside 
it's probably not what the defender in most cases wants you to do. So they're, they're now going to have to adjust themselves accordingly, uh, which will obviously then alter their body shapes and you know, alter the, the direction that they, you end up playing in. So I think that's a very important point. And I guess coaches kind of take on board that um, maybe aren't doing already. Look at those finer details and how, how those little moments do impact. You know what, you know what it is? It's this like I had a conversation the other day with another coach, on, a friend of mine, colleagues, that you've got to look at the game. Do you know what I mean? At the highest level. So look at the game. That, that's what I look for. Look for trends, look for patterns, look for movements. And I've had this thing since I was younger, looking at especially wide forward players and attacking players, how they move, how they beat players and those sorts of things. And it's understanding, right, that's really interesting. You can see lots of patterns and you say, right, okay. So, you know, you can see that happening a lot, occurring a lot. So my thing is like, you know, for a centre midfielders, for example, you know, breaking pressure, outside cut, probably the most used technique in, in world football at the highest level, a very simple way to cut away with protecting the ball. So you've got, and they're not saying players have to use that, but saying this situation happens a lot when you're pressuring here and you've got to try and move away, that sort of thing. So you've got to prepare players for that. They choose their own weapons for that. We can say, right, try this, try that. But if you, if I'm a centre midfielder and I, I can't rotate 180 degrees, change direction and explode out, I'm going to have limited mm. success at the highest level. So it's understanding what the assets are, the top players in each position at the highest level. And obviously you focus down and say, right, this is what the, this is what those movements will look like in the 1v1 particularly and supporting those things, improving it with movement, with the movement work, with the dynamic combination work and then the actual position-specific stuff. It's interesting. I'm just interested to know kind of off the back of what you just said there then. In terms of your design of your sessions, your practices, um, obviously the, the, I guess your, your focus is mainly around the technical elements. However... I'm interested in how much, uh, I guess, consideration you then pay to uh, the physical side of things and even the psychic side of things in that when you're designing a session, do you go with a framework of, right, I'm going to do maybe sets of uh, sets of work or it, it, whether that be maybe sets of repetitions or whether that be sets of time frames. So as an example, you might do 60 second sets or 90 second sets of, at higher intensities or you might work at certain repetitions. I know, you know, from conversations that uh, a previous conversation that we've had enough I guess even tuned me into your podcast yourself you've only, you've had a range of experiences and one of those uh, one of your biggest influences has been uh, you know Will Kerber and obviously you know I even touched uh, touched into the conversation you had with Rennie Muhlenstein and you know on his one he talks about the idea of uh, having almost like a pizza and just breaking it up do you have a similar way of working in in, in some capacity it, it depends what I'm doing so the combination works so you could do a skill combination it could be like a you know 15 or 20 second combination that is a blow do you know yeah. what I mean? So you might do one and then, you know, you might do, you know, do one and then do one more, then you have a two minute recovery. Mm -hmm. So I'm really conscious of the fact that I want the players to be fresh. Yeah. Uh, that's where you get the real interesting outcomes in terms of the movement outcomes. There's still an argument to train fatigued as well to replicate the game. But I'm very conscious, like, for example, I'm doing a set of those movements in to go and shoot and score. I do maybe a set of uh, set of four or five, uh, then it's enough and then have a little recovery. Do you know what I mean? A short, sharp burst, bang, walk back, short, sharp burst, walk back, have a little recovery. Like the combination ones would be, you know, it depends how long the sets are. But what you find if you're doing it, if you work, you know, I'll try to say to all the players I work with, you know, it's much more effective to do, you know, four sets of these combination works at 100% than yeah. do 20 at 80% or 70%. Because yeah. you blow, you've got, you've got to really test. What we're trying to do is get real, you know, those quality movement and, and technical and technical and even, you know, psychological outcomes. You're trying to work at the limit. And that's tricky when you're working unopposed sometimes. Yeah. So that's when you have to get into the player's head. I use my voice a lot as a way to increase the tempo, a way to challenge players, put them on the spot a bit. The combinations are good as well because I've got to try to remember, to remember the patterns of the movements and then try and think about it as well. But you've got to get into them. Do you know what I mean? And that is, you know, so every session you're working technical, but you're working tactical as well because we're talking about the 1v1 and what that looks like on the pitch. Physically as well, you're getting physical outcomes. Psychologically as well, so you're getting into the player. 
you know, if it's not good enough, it's not good enough. You go home. Do you know what I mean? So it's, you know, we're not wasting time here. And also thing, you know, you put them under a bit of, you know, pressure as well in terms of like really getting, trying to get and push them to the limit. So I think you're naturally working on all the four corners if you want to mm. you know, talk about the four on that, How do you, you know, what, I guess, what method do you use to kind of decide on what that rest to work ratio should be? Or are you just looking at, like it's using your eyes? You, oh, yeah, yeah. For me, for, for me, it's, uh, you just, it's a feeling. You can yeah. see it. So yeah, player. Because every player is different as well, and players have different capacity, lung capacity, different, you know, that sort of thing. So you see a player, you see it dropping. You know, maybe I want to stretch a little bit more. I say, let's just break now. Do you know what I mean? So it's very much like a that comes with years of experience. I think knowing that like, rather than be you know on a clipboard, oh yeah, doing blow the whistle. You, I think because you're well, it's individual. At the end of the day, every all the individuals are different, have different needs and different capabilities. So you need to challenge them accordingly. I think. No, definitely. I think I definitely agree with that. So I guess, you know, kind of just move into move it, move it on a little bit now. And um, again, for those that maybe had in touch base in, in the first episode that we did and maybe aren't familiar with you, where did the influence for this this type of work come from? Well, yeah, I mean, Will Cover, he was a guy who, who started this all work. And then Charlie Gillestein and Alf, uh, Charlie Cook basically progressed it. Yeah. Um, I was very lucky to work under Ricardo Moniz, who was a direct disciple from from um, from uh, Will Cover and you know he's and that's what this that's the difference though you have people people say to me oh your work's just Cover it's not I mean Cover's top draw and it's, they've been like leaders in the field for many years but you know what I do is very different to Cover coaching you know learn what, like, what people I've learned from Danny Buck who's a big mentor inspiration to me you know that real dynamic explosive high intensity work with elite players that you see Ricardo Michelle Hoydik who was the skills coach at Ajax similar direct ascendant they sometimes call it cova 2.0 so that's where it comes from my experience luckily to work with uh, tim bradbury in america that's where, he, where i cut my teeth as a coach off university he had this this philosophy about 1v1 and ball mastery and then i went to work at tottenham which at the, at the time you know john mcdermott alex inglethorpe danny bark chris ramsey these are some of the best coaches in the country youth developers maybe in the world and so i was very lucky to go in there because i had the basis the idea and my philosophy but they taught me how to to develop elite players to work in that elite environment and challenge myself as well so working that really took me to next level and you know and obviously we're seeing Ricardo work a lot as well excellent excellent well it's all it's it's been quite a you know in-depth discussion around I guess the way that you work and the stuff that you did and hopefully anyone that wants to know a bit more about you they can tune into you know episode six I think it was that we did um way back feels like a long time ago now um to find out a little bit more about your journey but just to kind of you know, if there was any listeners that had a, a few more questions or wanted to maybe discuss a little bit more around what we've talked about today um, or even beyond and get to know a little bit more about you and the work that you do, is there somewhere they can get in touch with you to do that? Yeah, they can just go Twitter, my football coach, or Instagram, my football coach one. Uh, go to website, my personal football coach, download the app. My personal football coach app is now free for all users. If you want to just for you, individual users, download the app, have a little look, lots of hundreds of exercises on there. Or you can email me, Saul, at mypersonalfootballcoach.com. I'm always, you know, speaking to people, young coaches, experienced coaches who want to, you know, chat and, you know, and talk about different things. Definitely. And also you've got your podcast as well. I don't know if you want to listen to us a little bit more about that. Yeah, just the MPFC Youth Development Podcast. Uh, very similar sort of format to this, talking to some of the top, you know, uh, youth developers around in world football. Perfect. Well, that's all. Thank you again for your time today. I'm sure the listeners will enjoy it as much as I have and hopefully they'll be in touch with you as well. Lovely, mate. Thanks for having me. It's been a privilege. Well, there you have it, guys. Another episode of the Coaches Network podcast, where our aim is to bring the world of athlete, talent, and personal development together to just one platform. And you can help us with that mission right now by sharing this episode or any of your favorite episodes with everyone that you can think of. 
You can tag us in those mentions as well on Instagram at The Coaches Network or on Twitter at The Coaches Net. We look forward to hearing from you. Let us know what you thought about today's episode. And until next time, guys, take care. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.